I'd like to thank KTMS 990 and Montecito Bank and Trust for making Scam Squad possible. I'm Patty Teal. And I'm Deputy District Attorney Vicki Johnson. Scam Squad is up next. Sound off. One, two. Sound off. Three, four. One, two, three, four. Scam Squad. Welcome to Scan Squad. I'm Patty Teal here with Deputy District Attorney Vicki Johnson, and she always warns us about the latest scams. Hi, Vicki. How are you today? Fine. Thank you, Patty. As we know, scammers follow the headlines, and the headlines nowadays are all about the war in Ukraine. So I guess it was inevitable that scammers would take advantage of this very tragic situation, and apparently they have. So today, Patty, we need to talk once again about charity scams. It breaks my heart to think about these unconscionable people who are taking advantage of good-hearted people who really want to help those that are suffering. But as we know, scammers are very opportunistic and they have no conscience. So let us know how these scams work. It starts, of course, with some kind of communication. It could be a phone call, a text, something on social media, and sometimes even an in-person solicitation asking for donations for the people in Ukraine. I see these all the time. I do too. And the name of the so-called charity might sound familiar, which fools some people. Because bogus charities like to use names that are very similar to existing charities because it makes them sound more legitimate. Well, that can be confusing. You don't want to give to a similar sounding charity that has nothing to do with that real charity. What are the red flags? As always, scammers will try and get you to act quickly. And this is a big red flag because legitimate charities will take your donation when you are ready to provide it. Also, you need to be suspicious if the charity makes exaggerated claims, like saying something along the lines of 100% is spent on relief. We know that charities have some overhead and some administrative costs. Patty, another red flag is asking you to make payment by some unusual method, like a gift card. We know that's a big red flag. A payment app by text. Although these fake charities might also ask you to send money in the more traditional way by cash or check or credit card. It is confusing. What would be the safest way to pay if you are confident that you're dealing with a legitimate charity? It's always said that the safest way to pay is by credit card because credit cards carry greater consumer protections. And if you get scammed, there's a chance that you might be able to reclaim some of your money. Yeah. And what is so sad is that legitimate charities do need our support and they lose out when scammers take our money. You've told us this before, but where can we go to find out if a charity is legitimate? That's a good question, Patty. And whatever the cause, whether it's help for Ukraine or help in some other disaster area, you should always research a charity before you donate. And it's easy to do this. So you can go to a site like give.org or Charity Watch. And also, Charity Navigator, I am told, has a page specifically dedicated to high-performing charities engaged in relief efforts in the Ukraine. So that would be a great resource. And I know, Patty, that one charity that operates out of Santa Barbara and does an amazing job of getting medical supplies to disaster areas is Direct Relief International. They've been highly recommended for a very long time, and they're a very legitimate and 
high-performing organization. Well, that is really good to know. And I know that BBB.org is also a good place to check out a charity. Yes. And the Better Business Bureau has some excellent tips for prospective donors and some things that I wouldn't have thought of. For example, I think this is a great question. Can the charity get into the impacted area? It's not so easy to get into a war-torn country like Ukraine. So while it may be a good charity, they might have trouble getting the relief where it's needed. And another choice might be better. So if you can't see if the charity has a presence in the Ukraine, if that's where you want your money to go. Well, that's an excellent point, Vicki, because in an emergency situation, you need some assurance that the money or supplies can be quickly distributed. And another tip, should you send clothing and food? There are well-meaning local food and clothing drives, but sending them overseas is quite another issue. It might be difficult to deliver and disperse those items. In fact, I saw an interesting picture in the newspaper the other day of a gentleman fast asleep on a pile of clothing that had been dumped in a train depot. So, you know, you just don't know how that particular kind of item might be distributed if there's a way to even do it effectively. Yeah, and I know it's also important to find out what percentage of gifts actually get to those in need as opposed to folks that are running the charity. What about a crowdfunding appeal? Some of those can be so heart-touching. Absolutely. But here's the danger. Some of those sites don't do a very thorough job of vetting. So, for example, a person or a group of people might be inspired to start a GoFundMe app, but then what? What happens after they've gotten together some money? Do they have a plan for where that money is supposed to go? Have they designated a charity? So lots of questions need to be asked. The safest route is to give to someone or to some charity that you already know and trust. And Patty, Another thing to find out, does this particular charity have experience in emergency relief? Charities that have that experience are the best bet for getting aid to those who need it quickly. Well, those are all good things to consider, Vicki. Any other tips? Well, the FBI has some suggestions. First of all, beware of copycat names, and we've talked about that. Don't click on unknown links. We've said that many, many, many times. Don't provide personal information in response to an email, a robocall, or a text. We've talked about that before. If the request is for gift cards, virtual currency, cash, wire transfer, you know that it's a scam. This is from the FBI. If you want to donate, use a credit card or a check. So again, a lot of common sense suggestions we've heard about when trying to avoid other scams. So Vicki, I have to tell you, last week, somebody came knocking at my door and it was a charity of some sort. And when I asked him to leave the brochure with me to look it over so I could see what I thought about it, he wouldn't leave it with me. Actually said I had to give money before I would be allowed to read about the charity in the brochure. And of course, co-hosting Scam Squad has let me know that this was probably a scam, but uh, that was pretty bad when they wouldn't even let you read about it. 
Absolutely right. That is a huge red flag. In fact, Mm -hmm. when you get phone calls about donating to various charities, one of the things that I always used to do when back in the days when I would pick up and answer my phone, if somebody asked for money, I would say, well, I never make donations over the phone. You need to send me some information about your charity. I will take a look at it and then I will make a decision. And if they were unwilling to send me information, I knew I was dealing with a scammer. So good job, Patty. Well, I guess I shouldn't have answered the door in the first place. So I get, I guess, a C plus perhaps, but at least I was suspicious and pretty sure that it was not a real charity. So it can happen in many areas. It can happen so easily. It can happen on the phone when you answer your door. It's just better to be cautious because we all want to give and help the terrible situation, especially in Ukraine right now, but we have to be careful that it's not going to some bogus fraudster. Absolutely. So I do have some good news today, or actually some interesting news. We've talked about mail theft a lot of times and what the fraudsters are looking for when they go through your mailbox. And I've said many times they're looking for checks. So what do they do with those checks? Well, I just got this article from the Department of Justice. The headline is Nigerian national sentenced to over four years in federal prison for mail fraud conspiracy, resulting in the loss of more than $500,000. So here's the story behind that headline. The thief was actually a postal worker. And he was working here in the United States. And so it was very easy for him as a postal worker before he put the mail in the mailbox to go through them and steal anything that looked like it might contain a check. So he stole bank checks, credit and debit cards. And what he did with that information that he had just on those two items was open up fraudulent bank accounts in the victim's name. So he would take your check, he would see your name, he would see your address, he would see the routing number, and he would open up a new account using your name. And then he would deposit the money that he was able to steal by creating fraudulent checks on your own bank account and deposit that into the fake bank account. He did the same thing with credit cards. Once he had a bank account open, he would make a credit card. He would take out credit cards attached to that account. And then, of course, he'd run up debt on the credit card, but the credit card was in your name or the name of the person whose checks he had stolen. He did that to the tune of $500,000. And this is just an example of how somebody with a little bit of information and by stealing your mail, and they don't need to steal that much, Mm -hmm. can just drain your bank account and open up credit in your name and create all kinds of problems for you. So I thought it was an interesting sort of demonstration of how mail theft works. Right. And I'm sure that 99.9% of postal workers are great human beings and totally honest, but you got one bad seed in there and look at the havoc he created for so many people. Right. This is why I say locked mailbox or take your checks that you're going to mail down to the post office, walk into the post office, set them on the counter in front of the mail clerk. And it can be a little inconvenient, but it only takes a moment and it can save you a lot of problems. Thank you for that warning again, Vicki. And would you leave us with your fraud hotline? And I know you always invite people to call if they're worried that they've been scammed or if they've heard about a scam and they want your advice on it. Absolutely. The phone number is area code 805-568-2442. I'll say that again, 805-568-2442. 
Thank you so much, Vicki. I look forward to hearing your advice next week. Take care. You too. Bye. Bye.